Hello, friends. Welcome to the Industrial Marketing Show, the number one podcast for marketers in the manufacturing space. I am Matthew Shinella. And I am MJ Peters. All right. So we're going to talk today about four marketing programs that we're breaking up with. And doesn't it feel so good to break up with something that you just know doesn't work? That maybe your executive comes to you and read about it in some MarTech blog or or got some email newsletter about it and said, hey, I really want to try this. I think it was going to give us big results. And you're like, eh, I'll try it. And then you do it and you know it doesn't work, but because the boss said you had to do it, um, you stick with it. These are the programs we're going to break up with today. Um, the things that um, I've tried and beat my head against the wall on and just have such little impact compared to other things you could be doing. And so um, that's my tee up for this episode. So um, the breakup episode, I called this. Yeah, it is the breakup episode. Um, and so let's go with the first one that I am breaking up with. I'm going to break up with two and you're going to break up with two. Um, and so the first one that I'm going to break up with is email nurturing. And there's still people out there that do it. There's still people out there who believe that or think that doing these six-month nurture campaigns off of ebook downloads or webinar event attendance um, where they don't show buying intent is still a good way to nurture a still, frankly, cold lead all the way down the funnel. And I've just I've, – I've only seen email nurture in my life in industrial – and let me just preface that. In industrial, we've had – Mike Tatum on the show talk about email nurturing and it's and he has very interesting tactics that I would recommend trying. But for me in industrial, I've only seen email nurturing work like once in my life off of an execution like an ebook download. So email nurturing to me has kind of had its day, which was like 2014, 2015 when HubSpot first came out and it was such a new concept that it people still believed it was another real person doing one-to-one communication on the other side of it. But now it is so easy at this point in time to know when you're being fed an automated email, it doesn't matter whether it's a batch and blast email like a newsletter, or if it's an obvious email sequence off of an ebook download from a auto prospecting sales rep trying to book a call with you. You see it on LinkedIn, you see it in email, it's the same damn thing. Don't do it. Just break up with it. Admit that it doesn't work. You but can Matt, go ahead. Email nurturing is free. Why wouldn't you do it? Well, there are just well the time it would take to do email nurturing to set it up. I just think you could do more impactful activities than that. Also, the risk of frankly annoying that lead is far greater than actually getting them to come around and want to buy from your company. So for me, there's way more downside on email nurturing than there is upside to email nurturing. I don't consider things like a newsletter that you do every month, email nurturing. I consider like trying to use email nurtures to jam people into sales calls. That's the kind of nurturing I'm talking about where I think the downside of that far outweighs the benefit of it. So um, that's an interesting take. So like sending someone a newsletter, if it's not email nurturing, then what is it? It's a newsletter. I think it's its own separate program. 
I would, I would, I would look at it if, if you're doing a newsletter once a month, if it's to distribute content, if it's to curate content and send it. I'm a far bigger fan of that as a as an email execution than I am of what I think email nurturing is by and large, which is which is what I see, which is people trying to continue to email you to get you to book time with them. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have I'm looking at my email right now. I have at least six of these in my inbox right now. Half of them from companies I never half of them from companies I never even downloaded anything from. So I just I just feel like this is a really not good play anymore. I just think you have a chance more so to repel your market than to, than to bring them in and create affinity for yourself. I've done prospecting calls where companies have wanted to send nurture emails and then and then basically sick their sales team on them based on whether or not someone opened the email or not. Like these are the kind of email executions to please stop doing. It is not, it is, it is going to have even if you have a little bit of success with it at the outset, the returns are just, in my opinion and from my experience, going to be going to diminish very fast. Yeah, I um, I think it's um, it's an interesting uh, point that we brought we we uncovered into this uh, conversation though, which is like I think people define email nurturing different ways. Like when I was quote unquote doing email nurturing in two thousand seventeen. Um, I was just like automating sequences of, you know, helpful content to people with no sales objective. So do you think the root of the problem is really like when people set up the goals that opt people out of sequences if they book a meeting? Or do you think all automation behind email is a problem? I think most automation behind email is a problem. I just, uh, unless you're doing... uh, I, there's, there's a lot of nuance to this. So I, I look at nurturing mo- mainly as people who download content and then you send email with the intention of trying to get them into a meeting. If you're going to do email to, and I, I'm not saying break up with email. I'm just saying break up with email nurturing um, as its own sort of category. There's obvious, obviously nuance to it. But if you're going to do the content share newsletter, uh, the content share email, I think that's fine, but I don't necessarily consider that that's not the kind of nurturing that I was um, I was thinking about when I had this particular thing I wanted to break up with. Yeah, so maybe content sharing email still uh, still okay to automate. Like maybe you got four pieces of content you want to drip out over two months. Like that could that could still be an okay play, but I mean I don't know. It's there's nothing wrong with writing an original email each time you uh, you promote a new piece of content either. It's, uh, I don't know. I feel like the bang for your buck is worth it on that time commitment of writing the email. Oh, certainly. Um, certainly if you write it in the moment, I mean, you get to be super contextual about it, right? You get to, you get to almost think of it like, um, you know, you get to, you get to add kind of time and place to it because you're writing it right then and there. And so you can, you can certainly do things to, to make it seem much more personable and human. But I think a lot about people who, set six, seven, eight, nine, ten email nurture sequences to fire off upon an ebook download or webinar registration for someone who doesn't book a meeting. Um, those are the things that I would kill from your program if you haven't already. I mean, the fact of the matter is there's so much com- competition for people's inbox right now that if you can't spend an hour writing a really good email, like you have to automate that. It's, it. You're like, you might as well not send it, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay, let's move on to your slightly warmer take. 
which right, is this is this is a much warmer take. Um, so there are a lot of these um, vendors out there who are selling this, and some of them are just creating their own. This is this is its own category, right? Conversational marketing. Um, so I am. <laughs> I'm breaking up with conversational marketing or what they really are, chatbots. Like I break up with chatbots mainly because chatbots to me mask a bigger problem on your website, which is your user experience. Like if you're using chatbots to try to jam people into, it's the same thing, right? It's a different way. Like they go to your website, the chatbot comes on, it's annoying, it's in my way. I click out of it immediately. Um, They all just wanna jam me into a sales meeting or they want to try to take me somewhere that their that their main navigation fails to get me to. Conversational marketing to me doesn't work. There's negligible effect in terms of booking more meetings. Um, there's negligible effect, I think, in terms of accelerating the buyer's journey. And there, to me, it is much more of a UX nightmare than it is like a lift. I just don't think the industrial audience necessarily gravitates towards it or gets it or finds it to be convenient or cute. Um, I've, I've, I've never seen it work. I didn't see it work at Gravy for that matter. We tried it at Gravy and it failed miserably. They went right back to forms after three months. Um, and so I would break up with chatbots. The only, there's there really is to me no good use case for a chatbot. Live chat definitely is where it's at. If you can do live chat, do that. Definitely do live chat if you can if you can uh, put a man or woman on there full time to ask people and and make it very contextual and human. Yes, live chat is an awesome thing to have, but the chatbot is just this cheap water app version. You almost seem like you're too busy to even deal with them in the first place. Yeah, um, plus one on both of those, and I got a couple of anecdotes to support my opinion. Go first, for it. Um, I wanted to make chatbots work. I made a little product recommender chatbot on the Firetrace website. So it like asked some questions about the person's application and recommended the product category that they should be looking at based on their answers to the questions. It was pretty well programmed. I had a lot of like product management knowledge that, that went into putting this together. So it seemed like it would add value, but nobody used it. So, um, you can start with the best of intentions and it's just a waste of time. So don't do it. Um, live chat though, plus one on live chat. Also, um, I actually turned on live chat and I sat behind the live chat when I was at sensor X. Um, it was great for customer insights and like people are super engaged with you on live chat. It's like instant gratification. Yeah, and it's less stressful for people than having to pick up the phone, I think. Yes, they get to multitask on the live chat, right? It's like I can have this live live chat open while I'm, you know, shopping on Amazon or while I'm reading the CNN article. Like live chat is is definitely where it's at. I as a consumer, I love live chat cuz I just like I get to deal with I get to deal with somebody without having to be on the phone and I get to do other things as well. I get to passively get done what it is I want to get done. Um, And I personally like that very much. And if you, um, HubSpot has a live chat feature. Well, it's been a while since I've used it. So this may have evolved, but um, they have a live chat feature that you can basically just like kind of turn on when you feel like it. And that's what I did. Like, it's actually great for a marketer. Like if you don't get an opportunity to get in front of customers a lot, like flip on the live chat for a couple hours and just see what people ask you. Like yep. good, good, low, low lift customer insights activity. Mm-hmm. One thing to also note, I think because people have been so programmed to think that a chat 
for a B2B company is a chatbot. If you actually do live chat, you should really, really go out of your way to say, open a live chat with the rep. <laughs> so they know they're going to talk to a real person and not get sucked into a chatbot funnel um, as a result. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm way, way out on the chatbot. I've, I beat my head against it for years. I, it, it, when you look at heat map data, it's like, it's like the most click thing because people are clicking away from it. Like it's bad. <laughs> I just, I'm just not a fan. Yeah. Oh, that's funny about the uh, the heat map data. You can also like put your picture there for live chat. So like, it's more obvious that you're a real human. Um, mm-hmm. I've heard some weird stories though, about like, if, if you're a woman or you're, you know, some other kind of not, not like common, like a minority, then sometimes people are say weird things in the chat bot. So you might not want to do that for that reason, but the picture will, will signal that you're a human as well. Correct. Okay. Let's get into the things that you are breaking up with. And um, the first one I would, I, I, I would have broken up with if you didn't break up with it. So go for it. <laughs> yeah. Um, the first one I've written about before, it's super common tactic in industrial companies. And that is brochures. Oh, the brochure. Um, brochures are a trap. Um, like people are going to ask you to spend time making brochures because it's like, for the most part, like a, a lot of salespeople, it's all they've ever known. Like that's the only type of collateral I can get from the marketing team. And it's like what they know how to use, right? They're like, I, I leave this with a prospect after I visit them in person, right? Um, think, about, think about that, knowing how to use it. Like you use it as a leaf behind and literally the, the application of using it is knowing how to flip through a couple of pages. Well, yeah. And I mean, like, I, I think there's just like deeper culture change too, where it's like, if you go into a SaaS company, everybody's selling digitally, right? Like you can, at Refine Labs, you can submit our contact form and then book a meeting with me directly on my calendar immediately after submitting the contact form. It automates into HubSpot. It sends me an email. You know, I log everything in HubSpot. I send all my documents in HubSpot, all this stuff, right? It's just like natural for a SaaS company to like use all these digital tools um industrial companies it's not like you you actually like breaking up with brochures is easier said than done because you're going to need to train your sales team to sell digitally before they're going to use your digital content in their sales cadence what would you say to um and i'm I'm foreshadowing here a little bit what would you say to the distributors who demand to get brochures from oems like yourself you know like i think there's two ways you can handle this one is like you could engage with them and figure out what they're actually trying to achieve. Um, same thing with the sales rep that asks for a brochure, right? The brochure is a trap because it's just generic watered down messaging about every element about your product. Like mm-hmm. it's, it makes it harder on the customer to find the information they're actually looking for, right? Cause they have to read through all the other junk that is in there. Cause you're trying to make it one size fits all piece of marketing collateral. Um, so if the distributor asks, right, like what what do you need this for, right? Do they want to mail them to people? Okay, and, and maybe that's a top of the funnel campaign and you give them top of funnel messaging in a one pager. Um, do you want to use it as a discussion aid when you're on site? Like that might be a different piece of collateral. You can get them something that is more useful. Um, if you just don't want to deal with it, print a bunch of brochures at the beginning of the year and mail them out when people ask. Yeah, I would also say um, um, to um, one one of the note I would make is like if if you brochures are extremely time consuming to do, so they really when you 
when you focus on brochures, you really take away time from yourself to get in front of customers otherwise with other activities where it's just more scalable. Because like you're printing 500 brochures, a thousand, and then sending them out at once. I mean, think about like just the low amount of people you get, the low number of people you get in front of with that kind of content piece. So if you need to do a brochure, that is something that I think is a great outsource candidate. <laughs> if you can outsource your brochure production, like I would, I would highly recommend trying to do so. Yeah. So I guess my key message here on brochures is just like, it's a trap because it, it lulls you out of thinking about what specific next step the customer needs to take to get one step closer to buying your product. And therefore what piece of marketing collateral would be most useful to them. You're just like, here, it's a brochure. That's the answer all the time. Always it's, it's because it is designed to be the answer. Always it is therefore the answer. Never. Most times I find when people want brochures, what they really want is a parts list, which is like, just, you know, cut sheet. I mean, just make a cut sheet. Or like, just turn your website into an e-commerce store, but turn off all the yes. order functionality. Like e-commerce, like the, all these out of the box, like WooCommerce is great for like teaching people about products and, and allowing them to configure them online. Even if the last step is still request a quote, like, mm -hmm. man, you can deliver so much customer technical information there, like download all the cut sheets all on one page. Love e-commerce as a as a manufacturing execution, even if you don't turn on the actual e-commerce functionality. I we we need to have an e-commerce person on the show again to talk about e-commerce because there's just I think there's just it's such a missed opportunity for for uh, manufacturers who could just I think do a lot with it. All right, the last thing you want to break up with, tell me, tell me, tell me the other thing you want to break up with. Yeah, so the last one I want to bring up here is distributor marketing programs. So um, when this first came up at Firetrace, it was basically pitched as the distributors that sell the most dollars of our product, we're going to give them like marketing money so that they can do more marketing of our product in, in their local market. Mm -hmm. And the argument against this is like, fundamentally, the distributor shouldn't be doing marketing. Like, no. The distributor used to be your only arm into the market, but now you can market to customers directly. And the fact of the matter is, it just makes more sense for the manufacturer to employ marketing professionals and have the marketing professionals decide how to allocate the budget than to give it to a distributor that is probably smaller, probably doesn't have a marketing professional on their staff, um, and is just not going to spend the, the money in as, as smart of a way. So like take that money that you put into a distributor marketing dollar program and, and just give it to your marketing team. I think about a couple of programs that I had to do at Binzel. Um, one revolved around putting like merchandising display in their store. And I was like, why am I spending again? It's a time and money issue. It's just, it's so hard to source. They're expensive to make. And like most industrial suppliers and distributors do not get a ton of foot traffic in general. Like a lot of it is just, it just sits there kind of as inventory. And then, you know, the most time the distributors goes out to the end user anyway. They just make the house call, right? Very rarely. I mean, I've, I've been into dozens and dozens of, of welding and gas hardware stores in my life. And none of them ever have more than four people in it, ever. So 
when you're like the strip, when you're investing in those programs, you're investing in very little foot traffic in the first place and hence very little attention um, or the possibility of attention. So I think an alternative would be to invest in sales enablement tech or sales enablement programs for distributors. Um, I think that has much more merit where, again, it gets down to finding out what the pain point is for your distributor to empower them to sell your product and then create a solution that helps them do that as opposed to handing them money or helping beautify their store, neither of which I think serves your goal or really the distributor's goal in the first place. Yeah, it's it's interesting. This just came to me. You can actually use the like kind of refined labs terminology to explain this phenomenon, which is distributors for the most part capture demand. They don't create demand. No. Yeah. Exactly. So like if you want to help your distributors, first of all, you should help them capture demand because they're not going to create demand. And you should know that you're only going to be able to help them capture demand. So like sales enablement stuff is a capture demand strategy. General marketing dollars is not necessarily a capture demand strategy. So you might just be burning those marketing dollars. Um, and then think about like, how much money do I want to spend capturing demand? Because every dollar you spend on capturing demand is a dollar you cannot spend on cre creating demand. Absolutely. Um, honestly, uh, if, you're, if your company won't give you the money that they want to invest into this distributor marketing program, it, this is what I would propose instead. We're not going to have a distributor marketing program. We're going to take the money that we're going to invest into the distributor marketing program and we're going to use it to pay a bonus to whatever distributor sales rep sells the most of our product this year. That's just like direct attribution. Go motivate that person to, to close more deals on your behalf. That's going to work better than any distributor marketing program you can dream up. Love that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. So let's recap the four things that the four programs that we are breaking up with and we feel you should too. So email nurturing, there's a lot of nuance around that. Um, Chatbots, break up with the chatbot. Okay. Go to live chat. Um, on your side, MJ, you had brochures. Um, and the alternative there is find out what they really want and then, you know, produce around that. And then lastly, distribute your marketing programs. Take that money and incentivize your distributor in a different way or enable them to capture demand more easily through a tech-enabled solution like maybe sales enablement or anything like that. Do not invest in a portal, by the way. <laughs> All right. Uh, cool. That was, uh, that was a good episode. The um, inspiration for the episode came from Matt. So nice one on that. Hopefully, uh, we help people shed I some unconscious marketing strategies this week. Let me, let me actually give the real sort of uh, uh, genesis of the episode. I was listening to a podcast on fantasy football, of all things, and they had a segment called Four Players We're Breaking Up With. And I was like, <laughs> that's a like perfect idea for the podcast, like four marketing programs I want to break up with. So there's where um, the idea came from. <laughs> fantasy football podcasts are low-key a great source of podcast insights, but they take some getting used to because like sometimes the stuff that those guys talk about on those podcasts is so dumb. I'm like, I'm losing brain cells listening to this, but they come up with great segments. They, they come up. They do. Great. Yeah. I, I, I learned so much listening to media podcasts and like the kind of segments they do and sort of how they talk about things. It's uh, it's really fun, but anyway, so that a bonus tip 
for this yeah. episode. Like yeah. go listen to podcasts that are not marketing podcasts and you can get ideas on how to make your marketing podcast better. 100%. All right, y'all. That's the Industrial Marketing Show for this week. You can catch us on all the major podcasting platforms like Apple, Spotify, and Google. Please leave us a five-star review. It just takes a second of your time and it really helps us out and rank better. And we really want to outrank some of those pretend industrial marketing podcasts that are out there in Apple. So if you've got a second, give me a five-star review. It will make my day, okay? Leave us a written review too if you have time. I know that's a big lift, but I would love one of those as well. And with that, we have a really cool guest next week that we have on the show. I'm excited to bring her on. Um, and we'll have that episode for you next week. So for the Industrial Marketing Show, I am Matt. And I am MJ. And y'all have a great rest of your week.